I'll hit record. There it goes. Now it's recording. Okay. How's my and... waveform look? Looks, How's your waveform? It looks spicy. Whoa. It's spicy today. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do a sync clap. One, two, three. That one felt good. That was really spicy. Oh, we're coming in hot on this episode mm-hmm. because of it's an episode about the heat. It is. Uh, this is the hottest podcast that we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, temperature wise. And uh, it's the hero's path. Hi. Uh, Hi. We're here. We're doing the podcast. Uh, we left off in Death Mountain. Mm hmm. Uh, we went and helped out our good friend Unobo, and so I went back to town. Oh, that I had to look over to my notes. Uh, last time, afterwards, Ryan's like, "Hey, we need to." He sits. He sits me down. He gives me. I I get direct feedback from Ryan after every episode, right? Yeah. He sits me down and says, "Okay, we got to talk about your performance. We got to do an evaluation." I try to think of things that you did well. That I can sandwich around the stuff that I need to tell you to do better. Correct. Uh, and in this time, he's like, hey, uh, I think we should talk about Gorons more, just as a whole. As a, as a group did, of people. In one of our Zora's Domain episodes, we talked about Zora's as like a design concept throughout decades of game design. And I feel like Gorons, who have... Not quite as long a history, but still a very rich and valuable history. Kind of short shrift in comparison. So, let's actually talk about Gorons in depth. Yes. Um, I think Gorons, like this, well, Zoras are more long-running, but also, like, the Zora present in this game aren't necessarily as common of a design. Whereas Gorons, in every game they show up, are by and large a variation on the same design. Yeah. Uh, they're from Ocarina of Time, obviously. Uh, they show up in, like, pretty much a lot of... Hang on, let me think this through. Yeah, every 3D game since they've shown up. What games have they not shown up in? Link Between Worlds... There's a guy that's like Goron-ish, though. It's very funny in Link Between Worlds. Oh, yeah, and he has the Goron crest on his belt. Yeah. Rosso. Uh, yeah, I He's mean, there's the... there's there's side games they don't show up in. Um, but, like, all the main, you know, quote-unquote mainline Zelda games since then have had them. Because you've got the, the guys in Wind Waker that are the shopkeepers that kind of roam around. Yes. Uh, Skyward Sword has like three or four gorons that don't really have they're just kind of travelers and they're like acknowledged as one of the like original tribes in the in the prelude to the game but they don't really have like a home or anything there's just like one guy who's an archaeologist that runs around and then there's some there's some folks that have a they turned like an abandoned mine into a roller coaster mini game (laughs) sure yeah, uh, I think you wanted to talk about like the actual design design of the 
the Gorons, like visually. Uh, yeah, because I I remember on the previous episode we described that they are like big rock guys. Um, but you were playing Phantom Hourglass, no Spirit Tracks. You both. played Phantom Hourglass before that. I have been playing both those two games back to back. In Phantom Hourglass, the Gorons have uh, like tattoos. These cool symmetrical tattoos that go all down their bellies. Yes. And I think it's supposed to be like a Polynesian Maori kind of inspired thing, right? Uh, Because they're on the ocean. Potentially. But also Twilight Princess uh, Gorons have some of that as well. Does Twilight Princess predate Phantom Hourglass? I'm not... I don't know what the timeline is. I don't remember. I'm going to look at a website that's going to tell me the answer to that question. Yes. Which one is first? Uh, Twilight Princess. Oh, okay. Interesting. By a smidge. Uh, I'm just going to look at the Goron page here. I'm going to look at a bunch of Goron art. All right. Um, So, that design for for a while i think um in twilight princess phantom hourglass skyward sword i think and maybe spirit tracks but i don't remember anything about the gorons and spirit tracks to be honest they're very similar Uh, so they have i'm looking at some images now uh twilight prince or phantom hourglass and spirit tracks both have kind of similar like tattoo patterns between them skyward sword gorons actually have uh patterns on them as well i did not remember that uh and it's all very similar to the stuff in twilight princess so like through that center portion of gorons existing they focused on that as a design element and what game were you saying that like only some gorons had that uh am i remembering we should have prepared more that's fine um just depends uh i'm looking i'm looking at a whole lot of pictures of gorons right now i had this opinion that it was cool to change up the design to add these tattoos yes and it was even cooler to like go back and say not everybody has these tattoos but like the you some gorons have the tattoos as like a status symbol but if that's not real, then my opinion is invalid. In and where your, does that put me? You're, it puts you on a podcast. <laughs> uh, there are some Gorons in the Phantom Hourglass Spirit Trek's art that do not have tattoos. Interesting, okay. Um, But the big change... So I actually was looking at the Creating a Champion book. Sure. And Breath of the Wild specifically... It, it says they kind of went through iterations on it. Um, and at first they wanted to do the tattoos, but then they decided not to, to kind of emphasize the, like, design. How do I describe it? I'd have to look at the exact quote again, but it's like, the, uh, not the negative space, but there's a, there's a term for that that I'm not thinking of. Positive space? Yeah, just to say, like, to, yeah, give them kind of just one color throughout okay uh to make them kind of stand out against the terrain perhaps oh that makes sense yeah it makes them visually distinct instead of like having this really highly textured uh surface on them 
and it plays well, to and this... that plays right into what we were talking about at Lake Hylia, where the shading applied to terrain is different from the shading on people. Right. And, like, this plays to the Breath of the Wild's, like, visual strength. It's to just mm-hmm. to, to keep them this very flat textured. Um, it also talks about how they wanted to emphasize, like, the sumo wrestler vibes. Yeah. They, they all have the little sumo wrestler loincloth that I don't know what it's called. And a lot of them have top knots. Yes. Uh, yeah, just a, a much... It kind of goes back to the N64 era looking uh, Gorons in, the, in that way. They're much yeah. smoother. And they are a lot of fun. Um, the Gorons have a distinct personality that uh, I don't think, like, the Zora or Gerudo get to have, do they? The Zora, definitely not. Uh, the Gerudo, I reserve judgment till we get there, okay. I suppose. I would have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, they they, they show up a lot. They all kind of have a lot of the same stuff going on. And I would say there's that... A, there's a sense of them having a culture in the sense of, like, a cultural mindset, uh, an approach to the world that you don't really see in the uh, other cultures created in this game or these games. Or at least those cultures presented in the game in a lot of places are kind of invented whole cloth where with Gorons in Breath of the Wild, they're able to look back at Gorons in other games and have a lot of material to kind of flesh out yeah, that's or, to, true. or to draw yeah. draw in. Like the Gorons here... uh you know they're mi- they're miners, but they hang out in hot springs, uh, and they like uh, eating rocks, like specific rocks and stuff. And there's a lot they 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 pull a lot of stuff in. Well, you make me think. I guess a lot of the 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 through line of Goron culture, as we understand it, all the way up to Breath of the Wild, okay, uh, is kind of based around the character of Darmani in Ocarina of Time. Uh, his he has a great personality in that game. I don't think the other Gorons necessarily act like him. Uh, they are, in in my memory at least right now, much more generic NPCs. But going forward, then you have people who are uh, draw from Darmani in different ways. Did, Darunia. D- did I say who's? It's Darunia. Darunia. Darunia, yeah, sorry. In Ocarina of Time, Darmani is his semi-doppelganger guy in Majora's Mask. Right. I'm sorry about that. Oh my gosh. I guess visually they're close to each other, but I don't associate them with each other. Guys, I think an EMP just went off near my house. Oh. And so you might notice that certain things on my end of the audio were, they sound like they were clumsily stitched together to make it sound like I'm saying different words than i actually said so weird and now that happens sirens and helicopters Mm. uh yep so something big is going down but let's get back to the podcast sure uh you were in death mountain interacting with gorons that's true uh i hung out with my friend unobo 
went back to town to talk to uh, Bluto, who is the town boss, uh, and he kind of sends you to the second half of the Divine Beast quests and says, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you should go find catch up with Unobo uh, because he normally I would help him take care of the Divine Beast, but my back started hurting again, so you should go take care of it. So I ran around the Death Mountain area again a little bit. Uh, I found some stuff. I just kind of wanted to talk about real quick that, like, it's kind of a big surface area, but exploring it, there's, like, less to explore than you would think. Because a lot of it is lava, and also the Death Mountain, like, caldera Mm. itself is almost expressly, almost entirely for just this quest to get to the divine beast and i don't think there's any anything up on the mountain there uh very little like no koroks no koroks no chests like there's very little no, stuff oh, there geez. and okay. so like it's it's there's less death mountain than you would think i guess is where i was at i'm like oh i guess there's not that much to this uh there's some stuff behind death mountain but i don't want to go there yet so uh on the way to meet up with Unobo, I ran into a side quest that I never noticed before. Okay. There's a Goron kid named Dugby. Sure. And he gives you a quest where he tells you about a treasure that he hid. Yes. Uh, I don't entirely understand this quest. He talks like he has some kind of, like, speech impediment? He says, I have the quote in front of me. Please read I the quote. I bid a twesher bintin gear and by El- bridge of Elden is a, b- a basing shtick. Billy bool. If boo bind it is boars. Um, and Zelda wiki explains that his, his speech is uh, obscured because he is in the hot spring. He's underwater. Oh, I did not pick up on this because later on. I went and tried to talk to him when he was outside of the hot spring, and he does not uh-huh. talk like that. And that was my cute clue okay. there, but I was not paying attention to that. <laughs> uh, I found his stick. It's just a one of those. It's that Goron polearm weapon that I can't remember what it's called. Drive shaft or something. A drill like that. shaft. Drill shaft, and that's the entirety of the quest. I was like, that's not a terribly exciting quest. Okay. No. Um, I like, though, the the fact that you have to interpret speech that's difficult to understand. Uh, uh, it's a, a puzzle that gives you something to think about that isn't just, like, manipulating objects with runes. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I went to find... Oh, I talked about the shrine first. Uh, there's a shrine nearby here that is Daga Ko Shrine. It's a pretty short shrine. It's got this, like, catapulting platform that will launch... I would call it a piston. That's a good word for it. It's like this piston that will go up and down. Uh, It launches a big block into the air. uh, And you can use the piston to, like, shoot yourself up real high and get up on top of the block. Uh, On top of this big block platform thing is a puzzle element that I don't think we've interacted with yet. Have we not done any electric puzzles? I don't think so. Gosh, I, I think you're right, yeah. 
uh, and is like an electric torch. How would you describe it? Well, I forget is um, which side has like the electrical power supply and which one has the electric receptor. On the block that is moving is the power supply. Okay. On the ceiling is the receptor. Uh, so we can call it a power supply. Okay. Except that it's the kind of electrical power supply that if you touch it, you get electrocuted, right? I did not touch it, but that would oh, okay. that would make sense to me. Uh, and so basically what happens is the piston launches the block up, and then when it reaches its apex, the door in the wall to the shrine exit opens. And so it becomes very apparent that you just have to stasis this block in midair. Mm-hmm. to get it to stay put long enough to jump through yep uh introduction to electric torch i okay. guess yeah um i just started watching on youtube uh individual level speed runs for these shrines oh cool and so the speed run for this shrine is just run over to the other side of the block and let the piston lift you up and just jump into the gate while the uh, electric thing is on the ceiling. That makes sense to me. I, yeah. I, I figured that was solvable. I figured that's something you could do, but I wanted to... I, di- I didn't want to think that hard. Sure. Yeah. Very simple shrine. Just very, very difficult to explain out loud. <laughs> right. Right. Uh... There's another shrine around here. Uh, previously on the podcast, uh, Blade on the Goron sent me to find his brother Gon Goron, uh, who was digging out Gorko Tunnel. Uh, Gon Goron is there, and he's very close to finding something big, but he's very fatigued and cannot dig anymore. Uh, Bladon shows up and says, oh, he needs something to eat. You gotta go to the bottom of this hill and get him a rock roast. Uh, famous food item of the Gorons that Mm. shows up in a bunch of different Zelda games, actually. Yes. Uh, (laughs) there's a line later on that I'm gonna forget to talk about where I think in the flash- oh, I didn't even talk about the flashback with Daru. We'll talk about that in a second. In the flashback with Daruk, he mentions eating your minerals. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, the, the Goron diet, I think there's more, no, your gravel. He's eat your gravel. Oh, okay. Um, minerals is funnier. No, 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 but gravel's an actual, like, rock. It's, it's. But you, minerals it, is contrasted with vegetables. Oh, no, 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 I totally agree. However, I like to think about what kind of rocks they like to eat, what kind of rocks they don't like to eat, because that oh. implies some fascinating biology. Or not biology, it would be a uh, geology. <laughs> um, the inner workings of Goron geology is fascinating. Because we know they don't like to eat gems. That's why they just get rid of them. They're just like, we um, eat these gems. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'll eat all but sorts they, of other they stuff. They don't like to eat just whatever rock is nearby. Not necessarily, uh, although maybe it's something that they could eat, but they, like Ocarina of Time, it turns out that they're just being really picky eaters, uh. and they, their favorite rocks come from Dodongo's Cavern, but like they, they, they could eat other rocks, but they don't want to. 
weird. And then Minish Cap has the where the the big oranges choose on your shield for a while. I don't remember that. That's, you get the mirror shield because you just give your shield to Bigorin because he's like, oh, that looks tasty. Can I just chew on that for a while? And then you and come he, back later and he spits it out and it's a mirror shield now. That's really good. Why don't I remember that? That's amazing. Uh, anyways, yeah, th- what, what Gorons eat and don't eat is very, very interesting to me. Uh, this Goron wants the famous rock roast, which just looks like it's a rock that looks like a roast. That's like the, the traditional like caveman yeah. bone through a piece of meat yeah uh you have to go so this ends up being being a shrine quest where you have to get to the bottom of this hill and there's a bunch of moblins and like fire chews uh to get down there to grab like there's just like piled up just unceremoniously all these rock roasts at the bottom of this hill and you have to pick it up and take it to the top of the hill, but as soon as you turn back around, all those monsters respond. Oh. Whoops. So you have to contend with them on your way back up. Uh, also, they start dropping rocks on you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, including, at the very end, one, like, the biggest boulder I've ever seen in this game. <laughs> it is comically large. I remember I have hazy memories of having trouble with this and trying to cheese it somehow. I don't know what my method was, but I feel like I cheated. Whenever you lose the roast on the way back up, it the terrain is arranged in such a way that it rolls into a lava pool, mm. meaning you kind of have a finite amount of chances. Uh, is it the case that there are like places where you can get it to roll into a rock and kind of like precariously hold it there for a second? If you were like being clever yes uh or you can do what i ended up doing which was just defeat every enemy and then go back up shoot did we get disconnected i can hear you ryan okay well i couldn't hear you for a second i continue to hear you forever and i can't hear you now well that's because i stopped talking ha ha nope i can't hear i can't hear anything well that's no good I can only hear you when you're talking about me being able to hear you. Oh, that's I'm missing bad. out on all the content. Well, you need that content. Where's the Gmail? Hold on. So, I'll just assume that you said that you took the rock all the way up to the place where you needed to put the rock. And, um, Bladon cooks the roast and Gongurun finishes digging out the wall and uncovers the shrine. That's true. Those are the things that happen. And you did the shrine. I did. Oh, yeah. So then the shrine is an actual shrine. Uh. Oh yeah. After all that, it's not a freebie shrine. That seems arbitrary. <laughs> Again, yeah. Which ones versus which ones? It's not. It's hard to tell. Uh, this one is called Greedy Hill, and it's kind of nuts. Uh, it's a big old hill. But like, you know, it it hill. It's, it's like, what's the words I'm looking for? Because it's in a shrine, it's this very, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the portal lab yeah, experiment, yeah. like, layout kind of thing. And there, it's like a game show looking thing. 
Like, it should have, like, bonus music going on during this. Yes, yes. Like, it's Super Mario World. Um, And you have to climb to the top of this hill, and there are giant spiky metal balls that will come and try and get you. But also, rupees fall down. Uh-huh. And that's it. You just go through several rounds of that. Maybe they are thinking of it as, like, a bonus game. It really feels like one. Uh, it's interesting. I just realized that you did the quest with dragging the rock roast up a hill. And now the shrine is also a hill of mm-hmm. sorts. That must be why they did it, even though it's too much work after such a tough shrine quest. Hmm. Perhaps. Uh, the part I forgot to explain earlier is when you talk to Bluto, uh... He points up at the big Goron statues Uh that that are in the wall, and that triggers your memory, Uh, like before what happened with when you remembered uh, your girlfriend, Mifa. Mm -hmm. This time you trigger a memory of you hanging out with Daruk, uh, the Goron champion from 100 years ago. Uh, And it's mostly kind of an innocuous conversation of, you and Daruk on the Divine Beast talking about how cool it is that you're on a Divine Beast. Mm-hmm. At one point, rocks try and hit you, and then Daruk uses his protection spell. Sure. Uh, that's it, pretty much. I was not... There's not a lot of story content there. I hope I'm not retreading anything. Um, I feel like each of the memories... Um, involve the champion using their magic power, but Mifa doesn't bring you back to life in her memory, does she? Mifa is healing you after you injured yourself. She's healing you, like, with actual bandages and stuff, or is she magically healing you? Correct. Uh, I don't remember the memories for the other two, so I guess we'll see what those are like when we get there. Uh, we will. When we get to Falco. Um, right. Uh, okay, so you find Unobo, uh, at the Bridge of Elden, which is really you know hilarious. What? What's up? It's, it's weird to me that Sidon has so many crushes on him, but Unobo doesn't have so many crushes. I feel like a lot of Zelda players should be having a crush on Unobo instead of Sidon, mm. and also on Falco. I think people... I understand that they don't like Falco because he's a jerk. I saw some human Falco artwork recently, so I know that there are people are out there that like him. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know about I don't know I don't think Unobo rates as high as some of the other champions. Hmm. I think if it, if we created a definitive, I, I'm like... realizing now that I'm compare we're we're comparing uh, Unobo to. Uh, Rivali, which doesn't make sense because Yunobo is a new guy and Rivali is an actual champion. I disagree. Comparing... I think we should put them all in a ranking. We're gonna, when we get to the end, at some point we need to rank all eight of them. Well, okay, but we, we like for now, we should be comparing Yunobo to what's-his-face the replacement for Rivali, who's, no one cares who he is. The most forgettable champion of them all, Teba. Teba. Wow. <laughs> Ryan did not remember it, Teva. It's not a good name. It's not a good name. He's not really much of a character as far as I remember, so. 
no, I think it's completely fair to compare the new champions with the old champions because Sidon exists and people love Sidon. Right, right, right. Uh, Unova's good. I like him. Okay. Uh, he doesn't get a much time or much to do in this game, I think, is part of the problem. That's true. I don't think any of them, other than... I think oh, what's the, that... what's the Gerudo gal? What's her name? Um, um, uh, la, la, la. She, she, she gets a lot of characterization. She's cool. Cause she's like Riju. Yeah, uh, Riju's cool. She gets a good uh, arc. Yeah. Yeah. But I Teba... would say that character-wise, she's my favorite of the new champions. Yeah. Uh, she she and, and Sidon get the most to do. Yeah, that's true. Yunobo doesn't get quite as much here. He just gets this fun little side quest that I'm about to t- talk about. Let's talk about this little side quest. Uh, you, cross... you call it a side quest, but this is equivalent to the set piece where you fight the the varuta before it is extremely yeah yeah it's the it's this is this is supposedly equivalent but it feels like a completely different sort of thing it is a completely different sort of thing and i didn't really remember it being this way uh you cross the bridge of elden Mm -hmm. uh which i keep laughing about because that's the famous bridge from twilight princess that is not even remotely the same bridge in this game they just gave it the same name sure uh and you end up doing kind of an escort stealth mini game yeah. mm-hmm. where uh Unobo the whole the whole defense thing they have going against the divine beasts is that Unobo has Daruk's protection the magic spell and he and Bluto Bluto would launch Unobo out of a cannon at the divine beast to attack the divine beast and so you are just helping Unobo with this task in Bluto's place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do like have a quick like talk with Unobo before it begins, and he's like, "Boy, I don't know why you want to go in the Divine Beast, but yeah, we can probably make that work." <laughs> uh, you now Unobo will follow you around through this like very linear course, uh, and you have to dodge a bunch of sentries that have, like, cones of vision pointing directly (laughs) below them. Conveniently, uh, Varudanya is able to launch these drones that hang out and, like, watch the area for him. The other uh, Divine Beasts don't have mini robots for them, but, you know, you need it for this quest so it's fine i guess it's fine uh you get to use your whistle to like tell Unobo to start and stop yeah, that's good uh i think he even mentions he's like like a horse <laughs> and yeah you go through it's easy to like dodge around some of them and then destroy some of them yeah you can kind of get up on top of the cliffs around the area and find things to drop on top of a bunch of them. It's kind. It's very similar to the ascent of uh, the Akala Citadel. Only not as scary. Not as scary, uh, and probably because they actually want you to succeed here in the Akala <laughs> Citadel. They are like, you're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> yes. Um. 
But if you get caught, just it causes more like lava rocks to fall. Mm, okay, is is what's going on there? And uh, you find you find what? Oh, you find your way to three different cannons. Right. Okay. This is. I want to talk about this. Okay. I must have not read something carefully enough when Unobo was explaining the rules of the game, because I missed that you're supposed to launch Unobo in these canyon cannons at Varudania. And so I was leading him around and like firing the cannon without Unobo in it or firing Unobo at out of a cannon that wasn't that Varudania wasn't aimed like being in oh. the sights of yet. Okay. So this took me for I think I had to look up what I was supposed to be doing in this scene. Weird. And it was not very good for me. You mi- you missed some integral information. Yeah. Though I suppose like other cannons previously at the other uh, area with yeah. cannons, they just fi- they have produce their own ammunition. They produce their own ammunition entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, hopefully, it's because I misread something or didn't read something. Uh, it must be because you figured it out just fine, didn't you? Zach? Yeah, I did, did not have a problem the first time with this, and did not have a problem this time with it. Uh, after three attacks, uh, the divine beast gets annoyed and just crawls into the crater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get a cutscene of you and Yunobo like standing at the lip of the crater, and Yunobo's like, "All right, cool, let's go." And then you jump down, and Yunobo kind of looks and then does not jump down. <laughs> uh, in a very subtle, humoristic way pretty good uh and then you start another divine beast we did it okay we got to the second dungeon of the game <laughs> uh this is divine... episode 21 this is episode 21 oh uh divine beast rarudania is a big lizard robot Mm-hmm. kind of a gecko i'm gonna say it's a gecko i think so or salamander is what we're supposed to say right i don't know the difference between geckos and salamanders well just that salamander is are supposedly fire lizards. That's Ryan. There's no such thing as a fire lizard. Don't be okay. Silly. I withdraw the question. Uh, write us right in and t- talk to us about lizards. Uh, educate us, please. Uh, this is a cool dungeon. It's a really good dungeon. I forgot basically everything about this, and it's rad. Yes, you get the ghost voice of. Daruk talking to you while you're doing stuff uh like the other divine beasts there's an opening portion where you have to find like the map module and then a second portion where you're finding the little control modules uh so that you can unlock the final module which gives you the boss fight Mm -hmm. uh but this whole first section is way more cool and authored than varuda was yeah where you walk into like the entrance of the divine beast and everything goes pitch black. Yes. And then there are like several rooms where you're fighting robots and malice eyeballs. Uh, and then there's a bunch of torches. Or there's a blue torch and a bunch of like. There's a bunch of blue torch lighting stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and like manipulating fire to be able to see in the dark. Yeah. And, uh 
it's all, you know, is very linear and authored, um, but it's, like, good. Yeah, it, it feels like a more traditional Zelda dungeon for this opening part. Definitely, yeah. And you get to, like, the back half of the Divine Beast, and you get to the map module, and then, like, the shutters open up and expose the inside of the Divine Beast sunlight, uh, and then, like, round two of the dungeon begins. Mm. It's very good. And uh, this is the part that's more open. and Exactly. Not, yeah. But it's in the same space as all of that linear exactly, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It's amazing. You use the same space, but you're able to get, like, twice as much out of it. Um, It's good. It's really good. The control you have over the dungeon is to make Varudanya either be standing on the floor or walk Gecko-like up the side so that everything is at a 90-degree angle. Up the side of the crater. Yeah. It has... Um, there's, like, less... Like... It's not... Uh, Varuta had, like... You know, you can manipulate the trunk in any number of ways. Yeah, like eight different settings, basically, the dungeon So this had. this has fewer settings, but you get a ton out of it. Yeah. And, um... Like, I think that some of the ways that you interact with these dungeons are a lot more inspired than others. This one is in the top half. I, I'm curious to see how I'll feel when I get to the other ones, but yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, uh, you haven't done the fifth one, have you? There's a fifth Divine Beast? I shouldn't say anything. Oh! <gasps> We'll see, we'll see. Ho, 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 ho. Um, let's see. The There are... I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was definitely one of these uh, puzzles reaching one of these terminals where I think I put the game in an unwinnable state by, like, locking something on the wrong side of a door that only opens when... Uh, it was really, it was really tough, and I had to solve it in a very strange way. And I don't have the details for you, listeners, but just imagine the kind of video game where you get into a really weird situation and you have to solve it in a really creative way. And that's what happened to me. And so the game is very good, and I'm very smart. I'm always saying this both things what are some of the elements here there's a bunch of brush so you have to use fire to burn up a bunch of brush um there's also a there's a door that has a window in it and you can see that there's a torch on the other side so you have to light an arrow with the blue fire and then shoot that blue fire arrow through this tiny little window in a door Mm -hmm. to open that door which is very good yeah, I think that's the one that I thought I had the game in an unwinnable state somehow. Uh, it's Maybe the one that, I was just wrong. It's the one that took me the longest. There's also a like metal box on the other side there, which can really mess stuff up. Yes. Uh, there's a really cool one where there's like this long like Metroid Prime morph ball shaft. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That moves through 
the dungeon and you have to keep rotating the dungeon back and forth while like getting obstacles out of the way yeah to get an orb from one side of the dungeon into a plinth on the other side yeah uh which is pretty good that is some good stuff you can also like jump off the side of the 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 divine beast at one point and jump onto like some rocks where there's like more of those monster eyeballs to fight oh i don't think i saw that uh, there's not really much of a reward for doing that, but it's out there. Interesting. Uh, it's pretty... Once you, Because the dungeon's kind of divided in half, the second half isn't necessarily super long and complex, like right, Varuta right. was. Uh, so you get through this pretty quick. You get to the command module thing at the top of the Divine Beast, and you try and activate it, and uh, Ganon shows up. Oh no! Uh, this one is Fire Blight Ganon. He, uh, he's fiery. He has, uh, we're talking about how, uh, the Blights have weapons that are, like, inspired by the weapons of the champions they defeated. Yes. Um, Fireblight Ganon doesn't have a hammer, like, uh, boulder breaker or whatever it's called, but he has a big axe that is kind of the same thing. It's kind of I mean, the boulder breaker is not really like a hammer. It's more of like a sword. Uh, it is. I think that it is difficult to define these Goron crushing weapons in terms of human weapons. That is true. Uh, let's call it a cudgel. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and so he's got one of those. He'll shoot fire at you. Uh, but. He wasn't too scary. I had a lot of ice arrows still at this point, so oh, okay. those I was putting those to good use. Um his like second round extra attack is that he like sucks in a bunch of air and then shoots more fire at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh and I've played one of several Zelda games before, and I know that when you see a boss sucking in air, uh <laughs> you can throw bombs at that. Uh, so you can do that, and it'll suck the bomb in, and you can detonate the bomb, which, uh, like, disables him, gives you a chance to attack. Much like one of many bosses that I Brian challenged me to list in this document. Well, because I remember when we were talking about this years ago, you said you, you like, instinctively tried bombs because fire bosses are weak to bombs. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. And then when you said it this time, I said, well, we should, you know, have a list. We should be able to, like, draw this line. And then it turned out that there aren't that many different fire bosses that are weak to bombs, which is interesting. Yeah, it's mostly just King Dodongo and the Dodongo family, uh, which is makes that just more of an Ocarina of Time specific callback. Uh, there's also Skaldera from Skyward Sword, who's extremely similar. Skaldera like a, is almost like Skaldongo. It's like a bug, though. Skaldera's... The boss is in... Spirit, Skyward Sword are weird. I'm looking at a picture of Skaldera. I haven't played Skyward Sword. I'm looking at a picture, and this is a dumb-looking boss. <laughs> a lot of the bosses are dumb-looking. Except Kolokhtos. That guy's cool. Uh, which one is that? He's the boss of the... 
ancient cistern. Oh, he's the head guy? The Buddha? Yeah. He's just got big swords, and that's just a fun fight. Mm. But yeah, so Fire Bucket again, pretty easy. Yeah. No big deal. Beat that Divine Beast. As what happens when you beat a Divine Beast, uh, you free it from Ganon's corruption. Uh, Daruk's ghost shows up to congratulate you. Uh, okay. He rewards you with Daruk's protection. Uh, so now when I pull my shield out, I get a little barrier around me. It's a, it's like a big icosahedron, right? Yeah. Um, uh, is it an icosahedron? I think so. In French... You know that uh, all the uh, powers of the champions, when they recharge, you hear that champion's ghost saying, my power is back. And uh, Mifa will say, Mifa's grace is now ready. I forget what Daruk says because I've been playing it in French for a long time. And um, I don't really understand spoken French very well at all. (laughs) But... Where most of the uh, champions are saying, okay, my power is ready. Uh, Daruk says, you can use my thing when you want. In English, I think it's Daruk's protection is ready to roll. That's right. Yes, of course. How could I forget? So that's a good translation. Uh, and then so like you're up on, what is it? Di- the, the Divine Beast perches up at the top of the caldera mm-hmm. and shoots its laser at or, like, aims its laser at Hyrule Castle, and you're up there talking to Daruk's ghost, and Unobo's way down below, and there's a, there's oh, kind yeah. of, there's there's a good moment where I think these two, like, old champion, new champion, kind of have the least in common directly, even though Unobo is, like, his grandson? I think so, yeah. Um... So they don't draw on a specific, like, they don't really even draw on that specific familiar relationship. It's more of Daruk's up there going, man, I hope the Gorons are doing good. And then he looks down and sees Yenobo and says, hey, check it out. There's a guy doing stuff. And, like, gives him, like, a hi-ya, like, mighty pose. And then Yenobo is like, oh, that's cool. He is really excited to see Daruk like, it's... approving of him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe have... the reason that uh, Yunobo isn't as um, people don't focus on him as much is because they relate to him too much. We all feel um, weak and ineffectual and cowardly like Yunobo. And so we we enjoy him as a character, but when we are celebrating these characters, we focus on the characters with really big personalities and disarming smiles hmm maybe maybe uh but that's pretty much it you get warped back to goron town uh bluto gives you the boulder breaker uh uh, which i immediately went to my house and put on the wall sure you don't want to ruin the condition on that no i'd have to go in it repaired i don't want to do that yeah uh, but that's it. So with that, we are two Divine Beasts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70 shrines? Wow. No, no, sorry. No, that's not right. 60, 60, 
something? No. 66? I just got... I'm at, I'm at a number divisible by 4. Oh, okay. That'd be 64 shrines? I forget. Yes. I, I don't remember the number of shrines. But this is what one could consider halfway through the game. Seems that way. Uh, you you could you could say now that we are by some measure fifty percent done with this podcast. <laughs> not counting Hyrule Castle, not counting the Champions Ballad. Well, yeah, I know, but you gotta you gotta look, g- g- give us this one. Come on, we can keep saying that we're halfway through. We're halfway done. I can't believe we're halfway done with this podcast already. Wow. Uh, I have to plug in a capture card and actually capture video of my hero's path at this point okay uh which is too long to do in one shot <laughs> i can believe it <laughs> the 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 switch cra- uh video recording only goes through 30 seconds yes and we're well beyond that at this point um yeah congratulations ryan well i had help so we're almost pretty much done with this right side of the map uh, there's a couple things behind Death Mountain that I ignored. Mm. Uh, that I think I might go around the bend and check out the back half of Death Mountain, and okay. maybe I'll make a stop at the forest for an unknown reason. Ooh, I feel like I left something there. Maybe I'll have to go check that out. Okay. Till next time. Till next time. Stay spicy. <laughs>